Just want to welcome all of you who are joining us online and also uh, those of you who are meeting in person here at Central Campus as well as those of you meeting at one of our other campuses in Airdrie, in South Calgary, Bridgeland, and also at our Bear Spa campus in Northwest Calgary. Um, before I get in the message, I, I just want to take a moment to express um, our gratitude uh, to God and to all of you uh, for the way that you have supported us um, in prayer this past year. Uh, it's been a challenging year on, in, in, on many different dimensions, um, but we are so grateful for your prayers, your words of encouragement, and uh, during our recent bout with COVID, uh, providing us with meals and help in so many other ways. And uh, uh, we're both doing, uh, my wife and I are both doing much better. Um, and I just want to express how incredibly um, uh, loved and cared for we feel by our church family. And, and we just thank the Lord daily and, uh, for, for each of you. And um, uh, thank you again. Um, let's just stand for a moment and uh, commit our time and the study of God's word in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, again, uh, we thank you uh, for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for your great love and for being the ultimate example of what love really is. Lord, we thank you for your church. And Lord, all that it can be. And Lord, we know that the church has not always um, uh, lived a, 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 an unblemished life. But Lord, we do thank you for your church and your intentions for the church. And Lord, I thank you for our church and the love, the care that exists among us on so many different levels. I ask now, Lord, as we open your word, that you would focus our minds, you would soften our hearts, and Lord, you'd give us the will uh, to respond in whatever way you call us to. For I pray it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. You know, I can't remember a time in my life when there was greater division and distrust and confusion and uncertainty than what we're seeing in our society today. People are uncertain of what to believe, who to believe, who to trust. And many are wondering in the midst of all of this confusion, what their focus in life should be. Well, in times like this, I am especially thankful for the Bible. God's truth that is ancient and eternal and has stood the test of time and to which we can turn to and find direction and hope and peace in life in these times of uncertainty. We're in a sermon series entitled, How Then Shall We Live?, in which we're examining what the scriptures teach on, what our focus and our pursuits in life should be. And so far we've learned that all through scripture, we're challenged first and foremost to pursue a growing friendship with God, even as he's been pursuing us all of our lives. To secondly, pursue an authentic relationship with others. To thirdly, to pursue the mission that Christ has called us to with others of like mind. Fourthly, to pursue a life 
of generosity. And fifthly, to pursue a life of simplicity. Now, last week, Ashwin introduced us to what a life of simplicity entails. And in this message, we're going to explore further how we can live a life of simplicity. Now, many of us think that simplicity is figuring out a way to do less, figuring out a way to work less or to uh, live with less. And yet, even though it may involve all of these, simplicity is much more basic than that. Simplicity is the will to do one thing. Simplicity is bringing clarity to what is most important to us in life and going after that with laser focus. A number of years ago, I saw an interview with Michael Phelps uh, shortly after he won eight gold medals at the Olympics in swimming. And he said he prepared for the Olympics. While he was doing that, his life consisted of three things. Number one, training. Number two, eating. And number three, sleeping. Now, you can't get more simple than that. And yet, Michael's life was not a life of ease. I mean, he worked very hard, and he put in long hours every day. But you see, his life was simple in that he was very focused, and he was devoted, and he devoted all of his energies toward one major goal. Well, this is the heart of what it means to pursue simplicity. Many people are harried and hurried because they, they're, they, they're devoting their lives not to one main thing, but to a myriad of things. They want to experience all that God has for them, but they also want to experience what the counterfeit gods of our world promise as well. And in Matthew 6, Jesus says you can't serve two masters or you can't serve two gods. He didn't say you shouldn't serve two gods. He said you can't do it. It's not possible. If you try to do that, your life will be chaos and you will be inevitably get depleted emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So how do you know whether or not you're depleted? Well, you know you're depleted when you're easily irritated. The smallest things at times set you off. You know you're depleted when you're excessively critical of others. And you're particularly critical of those that you perceive aren't working as hard as you are. You know you're depleted when days and weeks fly by and you hardly remember them. You know you're depleted when you're ha having trouble sleeping because your mind just won't slow down. And in your honest moments, more times than not, you feel very much alone. You know you're depleted when you feel exhausted, overwhelmed, hopeless, helpless, incompetent. And you can't remember the last time you had an inner sense of genuine peace and calm. You know you're depleted when increasingly you medicate your sore soul and your exhaustion through overspending, 
or overeating or over drinking and not just alcohol but coffee and energy drinks or when you find yourself constantly escaping into movies or pornography or surfing on the net well this is not the way that God intends us to live but we will continue to live this way until we make a decision if we want to uh, break out of a lifestyle of complexity and pursue a life of simplicity, the most fundamental decision that we must make is what is the one thing I'm going to give my life to? All the way through the scriptures, we read stories of people who made a choice. Joshua made a choice. Near the end of his life, he called the nation of Israel together and he said, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. The Apostle Paul made a choice. Philippians 1.21, he boldly declared, for me to live is Christ. Paul says, I've made a choice. The focus of my life is loving, knowing, serving, and living for Jesus. You see, the pursuit of simplicity doesn't begin by taking a time management course on how to run your life more efficiently. It doesn't begin by reading a book on how to be a minimalist. It doesn't begin necessarily by deciding to work less or to volunteer less. No, simplicity begins by looking at what's going on inside of you. It's looking at what it is that's driving you, what it is that is defining you, the fears, the insecurities that are lurking within you and binding you, what it is that you value and what it is that you're giving your life to. But you see, most people don't take the time to do this. Most people are unclear about what the focus of their life is because they're just simply too busy or too tired, or too preoccupied to stop and to think about these very important matters in their life. And so, out of love for us, God gives us a gift, the gift of rest, in which he calls us to stop one day a week and rest and reflect on the important things of life, on what really matters in life. More specifically, God gives us the gift of rest in two forms. He gives us a day of rest or Sabbath rest. And secondly, he gives us um, Jesus rest. Well, first of all, he gives us a day of rest. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, we read this. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all of their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, it's important to note that God did not rest because he was tired or needed to restore his strength the way that we do. 
He rested. He ceased creating because he was done with creating. And also because he wanted to just sort of sit back and enjoy his creation. God was also setting a pattern for us here. He worked for six days and then he rested. He stopped creating. The passage says that he blessed the seventh day. He made it holy to communicate this principle. To set aside one day a week to rest, to cease working, to cease doing what you always do, and to reflect on what matters in life. That's what the Sabbath means. It means to stop, to cease. God is essentially saying here, look, I'm the one who created you. And Sabbath rest is as critical to your well-being as breathing or sleeping is. You see, we are called to imitate God in Sabbath rest so that we stop trying to be God. One of our defaults is we drift into this mindset of sort of being God in control of our lives. And we need to be reminded often that we're not God that we are mortal beings and that without proper care, we break. We need Sabbath rest no less than we need sleep. Oh, you can put off sleep uh, for a while, but it'll eventually catch up with you and will have its way with you. We understand that about sleep. But sadly, we don't always understand that about Sabbath rest. Oh, we may understand that God says it's important that we stop working one day out of seven, but for too many of us, we just don't take God seriously. We forget that when we sleep, the world gets along just fine without us. Even if we don't believe in God, when we surrender to sleep, we're acknowledging every 24 hours that we need a power greater than ourselves to look after things. And that one day when we no longer wake up from our sleep, the world will carry on without us barely missing a beat. Someone will take our place in the corporation. Someone will take our stuff and either keep it or give it away or throw it away. Well, God instituted Sabbath rest to teach us to trust him and to, and to learn similar lessons. For example, the worker says, but Lord, if I take a day off for Sabbath rest, there's just so many things that I won't get done. And God says, I know. But trust me in this. The student says, but Lord, if I take a day off for Sabbath rest, I'm not going to be able to study for that exam or get that paper done. And God says, I know. But trust me in this. You know, I remember thinking that exact thing uh, when I was in graduate school. My course load was, was incredibly heavy, and I, I remember working sometimes seven days a week and just being totally exhausted, but then reading or hearing a sermon about Sabbath rest, and I decided to honor the Lord by resting one day out of seven. And amazingly, not only did I feel more refreshed the rest of the week when I did that, 
and more creative and more alive in my thinking. But I got all of my assignments done with time to spare. You see, church, the Bible teaches that our God is all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere present. It tells us that he's in control and that he is a good and a gracious God. Romans 8.28 says that in all things, God has our best interests at heart and that despite our circumstances, if we love and trust him, he will work all things together for our ultimate good and for his ultimate glory. In fact, the Bible says, even when I blow it, if I keep my eyes on him and just keep trusting him, he can take my messes, he can take my failures, and he can bring meaning to it all and make something beautiful out of it. Now, if we believe that, and I mean if we really believe that, then we can relax and sleep and enjoy Sabbath rest. I can trust him with our church and its future. You can trust him with your work situation. You can trust him with your finances and your health situations and your family. If you really believe that, then you can stop and you can let go of the worry, the, the incessant need to be in control and the uh, constant striving to do more than God ever intended for you to do. If you really believe that, then you can let go of your fear of failure and your feelings of inadequacy, and you can rest in his sovereignty and his ability to do more than you could ever do in your own strength and to enjoy the Sabbath rest and all that God intended for it. You see, we have, a, we have to have a conviction about this. We have to believe that the God who wired us up knows what we need to live life to the full. He knows what we need to be emotionally and physically healthy, what we need to cultivate a healthy relationship with him and also with those that we love, and what we need to avoid burnout. Mark Buchanan says, we need to repent which means we need to change our minds. And if we really change our minds, he says, we will also change our ways. You know, the makers of automobiles, they provide you with an operations manual. I don't know how many of you have read that manual, but in that manual are instructions for taking care of your car. You can blow it off and ignore it, but over time, you, won't, you shouldn't be surprised if your car starts, starts to not run very well or, for that matter, stops functioning at all. Well, you see, it's no different with respect to Sabbath rest. You know, you can blow it off, but over time, there will be a cost. And so with that in mind, what might Sabbath rest or a day of rest involve? Well, first of all, it involves stopping. In the same way that God ceased from creating in Genesis 2. If you do physical labor five or six days a week, then cease 
from that kind of activity on your day of rest. Rest your body, read a book, go for a walk, do something different. If you sit at a desk a lot, if you study a lot, if you sit in meetings a lot, cease from that kind of activity on your Sabbath rest. Do something different, something perhaps more active. The important thing is, is let go of the routine, the, the obligations, the, the pressures, the deadlines. Sleep in and take a really good nap on your day off. I see some of you are doing that right now. That's good, that's good. Colossians 1.17 reminds us, God is holding the universe together. God's holding the universe together, folks. So it's not going to fall apart while you're sleeping. It's not going to fall apart when you take a day of rest. Secondly, Sabbath rest not only involves stopping, but it also involves recharging emotionally. Sleep helps the body, but it doesn't do much for the spirit. And God wants us to revitalize our spirit as well, even as he rested and, and sort of enjoyed his creation. One way to recharge your soul is through recreation or a hobby. This involves engaging in a number of fun activities, however you define fun activities. For some, having fun is going to amusement parks and, and going up and down and around until you're sick and senseless. For others, you know, they like camping, going for a hike and being chased by bears. You, you kind of tell those are not necessarily some of my fun activities. But still others, they, they play a sport or they work out. They go for long walks. Still others uh, create something, paint a picture or build something. Whatever helps you to feel fully alive, whatever gives you great delight, do that. So as someone once said, are you taking time to create anything other than an ulcer these days? When your inner spirit gets irritable and your jaw gets set, your mind fatigued, these are God's signal to you that says, get out and do something different for a while. And as you do, make sure you give it all you've got. When you work, work hard. When you play, play hard and laugh um, a lot. And when you rest, rest hard. Let go and trust God to tear, take care of things. Now, you can also recharge your emotional batteries on, on Sabbath rest by spending time with family and close friends. If you're going to hang out with friends during your day of rest, remember, this is a special day. And so you want to make sure that um, the family or the friends that you hang out with, you actually enjoy being with. Um, friends who will fill up your emotional tanks rather than to drain them. You know, the rest of the week is available for that. Ecclesiastes 9.9 says, Enjoy life with your wife whom you love. So men, on your day of rest, chill out, be at home, talk to your wife and play with your kids, or if you prefer, 
play, uh, talk to your kids and play with your wife. So first of all, use your day at rest to stop and to rest. Second, to recharge emotionally. And then thirdly, use it to reflect and refocus spiritually. This is perhaps one of the most uh, neglected parts of our day of rest. And it's incredibly important. As I mentioned earlier, my sense is that most of us in the Western world, we do not stop and take time to rest and to reflect about the important things in life. We just kind of go, go, go. We keep doing the same things and we wonder why nothing ever changes. Even though some of you have had to work more and harder this past year during COVID than ever before. A lot of us have spent weeks alone or with our families during periods of lockdown and isolation. My question is, did you spend any of that time reflecting on your life? The way that you're living your life? Where you're spending your time outside of work? Did you spend any of that time re-examining your values and your priorities, talking with family members about that and what you're pursuing in life? Or did you spend most of that time watching Netflix or something like it or engaging in other mindless activities? One of the reasons that God gave us the gift of Sabbath is to stop and to reflect about what really matters in life. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Remind yourself that I am God. Sabbath rest is a time to remind myself that God is God and I'm not. It's a time to stop and remind ourselves of his perspective, to see life through his eyes, and to realign our values and our priorities with his. It's a time to get into God's word and to be reminded of his love and his acceptance of me, that I am his child by faith in Jesus and that he can be trusted in all things. It's a time to remind myself of his promises and, and how faithful he has been to me over the years. It's a time to read a good book, to listen to inspiring worship music, and, and to praise and worship the Lord for who he is. Sabbath rest is a time to remind myself of Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 16 where he said, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul. See, there isn't a better time to ask questions like that on our day of rest. There isn't a better time to examine your priorities and to ask yourself, do the items in my calendar, do the things that I do Day after day, do they actually reflect what I say is most important to me in life? And if 
My calendar doesn't say that. Then taking the time to begin to make changes. And by the way, this is why attending worship services like this, um, online for many right now, but in person, again, especially as things begin to open up when COVID's no longer a big issue. But what I want to say is this is um, why attending worship services is an important part of, a day, of our day of rest. Because it is still the one experience, the one place where we actually stop and we're reminded from the scriptures what really matters in life. I also want to let you know that just those of you online, that we have room in almost all of our services for more of you to attend um, now already. And as things open up, hopefully, in the next few weeks, we look forward to many more of you uh, beginning to join us again for in-person worship. So those are just some of the ways that God gifts us with Sabbath rest or a day of rest. Now, earlier in the message, I, I said that God gives us the gift of rest in two forms. First of all, he gives us a day of rest. And secondly, he also gifts us with Jesus' rest. And I'm just going to take a few moments now to explain um, this gift of Jesus' rest. In Matthew 11, 28, Jesus extends this invitation to us. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, Jesus is saying here that true rest, true peace is found in him. We find true rest for our souls by putting our faith and our trust in him to forgive us, to redeem us, and also to spend forever with him in the next life. But furthermore, we also find rest by submitting to him and by following him in this life. Notice in Matthew 11, uh, verse 29, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me and you will find rest for your souls. The word yoke means to submit to. And so Jesus is saying, if you want to experience true peace and rest and simplicity in your life, then come to me daily. Come to me daily and submit to me. Daily, trust me. Daily, come close to me and let me lead you and guide you. Now, if for you, if this is your uh, credo in life, if for you to live is Christ, then it is important that you submit to him and are guided by him daily in the same way that Jesus lived in total dependence on his heavenly father during the years that he was on this planet. You know, someone asked Dallas Willard, if you could choose one word to describe Jesus, what would it be? Well, Dallas responded with kind of an unusual word. 
He said the word that he would use to describe Jesus is the word relaxed. Now what he meant by that is, Jesus lived in total dependence on his Father and therefore lived without any cares or burdens. He met with his Father daily, he surrendered all things to him, and he concerned himself only with the assignments that his Father gave him. Now if you want a definition of simplicity or an example of simplicity, there it is. And that is the invitation that Jesus gives to us to find true peace, relaxation, and simplicity by submitting to him, by following him, and learning from him. Now, practically, that means coming to Jesus more than once a week on our day of rest, as important as that is. Jesus is giving us the gift of himself. That's the basis of Jesus' rest. And he's inviting us to come to him at any time. He's inviting us daily to go to a special place and to, and to uh, give to him our fears and our burdens, to ask for his direction, and to hear from him through our time in the scriptures. He's inviting us to intentionally ask him to do our day with us, to believe that he is with us always, and therefore consciously walk with him and talk with him all day long in our spirit. He's inviting us to ask him for wisdom, for power, for direction as we need it through the day and believing that he is not only hearing us but that he's responding. Believing that as we interact and as we minister to others, he's giving us the wisdom, he's giving us uh, the power that we need to do what we could never do in our own strength because we have intentionally asked him for it. And as we do this consistently, he promises that we will find rest for our souls. I'll close with this. You know, the older I get, the more I realize how mortal I am. The more I realize how much I need the Lord in my life. The more I realize that I am not what my resume or what my accomplishments say I am. The more I realize that I am not my position or what my possessions say I am. I'm not even what other people say I am. No, I am who God says I am. A child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And if you've entrusted your life to him, then so are you. I love what 1 John 3, 1 says. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Now here's the thing. You aren't going to find real love, acceptance, and fulfillment in life in temporary things. 
like your position or your power or possessions or appearance or accomplishments. We all have a God-shaped hole that only God can fill. Only God and the love of God can fill that need in your soul. Everything else is counterfeit. Substitutes that will never satisfy because they're temporary, they don't last. I mean, think of it this way. If you say, for me to live is possessions and power, then to die is what? Well, it's to leave it all behind. If for you to live is fame and notoriety, then to die is to be soon forgotten. If for you to live is beauty or a perfect looking body, then to die means your body's going to age and fall apart. If for you to live is family or friends, then to die is what? It's to leave them all behind or for them to leave you one day in death. Nothing in this life will satisfy the deepest longings of our heart. Only Jesus can accomplish that and fill that hole in our hearts. <laughs> Psalm 62, 1 says it best, my soul finds rest in God alone. And that is why Jesus pleads with us to seek first his kingdom, to seek him and to live all out for him. That is why the Apostle Paul declared, for me to live is Christ. And so I ask you once again, as I have through this entire series, for you to live is what? Your life is always going to be all over the map until you come to grips with that. If you would characterize your life as chaotic, as overwhelming, frustrating, hopeless, despairing, I can predict with a high degree of accuracy it's because you are uncertain about what it is you're really living for. Jesus invites you to come to him to make him the object of your highest affection. And he will give you true rest for your soul. I can tell you from personal experience that whenever I have left, let the cares of life, the concerns of the church, the criticisms, the expectations of other people convince me to take matters into my own hands or to do more than God ever intended me to do, to neglect not only Sabbath rest, but my daily time and dependence on him, there has been a cost. The cost of exhaustion, feeling overwhelmed, and feeling dangerously depleted. On the other hand, whenever I have stopped and I have acknowledged that he is God and that I'm not, whenever, first thing in my day, I've surrendered my life anew to him. And I've opened his word. I've received his wisdom and his promises and his assignments for the day. Whenever I have cast my cares upon him and 
invited him to join me in the day I'm about to embark upon. Whenever I've stopped one day a week for Sabbath rest in the way that we've talked about. I can't explain how, but my life became increasingly characterized by peace, joy, and simplicity. This is what happens, friends, when you make Jesus the single focus of your life. And my prayer for all of us is that we will settle this issue once and for all. That we will not only believe Jesus is Lord, that we will not only say, for me to live is Christ, but no, that our belief and our conviction will be reflected daily in the way we live our lives. To the glory of God, for our ultimate good, and for the sake of a world that needs the Jesus that we know and love. Would you just bow your head for a moment, close your eyes, and let's just take a little time right now to stop and to reflect on what we've just heard from the scriptures. And ask the two questions that we ask at the end of our time of worship. Lord, what are you saying to me? And what are you asking me to do about it? Let's take a moment just to reflect on that, and then we're going to close by responding with a song of worship.